ready to speak geek. People who get it, get it. This is the Geek Speak Show. Geek is spoken here. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching with your ears. Oh, you just listen. This is the Geek Speak Show. Hosted by the main speaker of Geek, Henry San Miguel. And interviews with the movers and shakers in geek culture. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. Hey, this is Todd McFarland. I'm Ralph Bakshi. Hi, this is Tara Platt. And this is Yuri Lowenthal. I'm Zach Whedon. Here's the speaker for the geek, Henry San Miguel. <laughs> okay, so are you all recovered from your sugar high? I am, kind of, sort of, maybe. Maybe I'm still wearing my costume, maybe I'm not. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Geek Speak Show. It is the week after Halloween. You know, I thought that after Halloween, we would be relaxing and getting ready for the holidays and ready to end the year nice and relaxed. Of course not. Not if you're a geek. Not if you're big into geek culture like we are here on the Geek Speak Show. This, right in the middle of Marvel Week, and what that means is it's going to end, of course, on Friday with the release of Thor The Dark World, or if you're going to do it on Thursday. Uh, I believe it's AMC Theaters, they're showing all three of them, all three meaning Thor, the first Thor movie, Avengers, and then at midnight, Thor The Dark World starts playing nationwide. So, in the middle of, of that, to start with start off with TV talk like we always do, let's start with Marvel, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., another good episode. Uh, how many of you thought, when you saw the lightning, that, that there was actually going to be a tie-in to Thor this Friday? Well, there wasn't, it was it was pretty cool, actually, it was a, it was a, it was a Chitauri helmet and there were some remnants or something, and they caused the virus. And uh, this one, I think, I think, as I think Marvel, I know they do, you know, follow Twitter and and Facebook and all that stuff, and follow all of you guys on the internet and listen digitally, listen, I guess, to to what you all say. You guys weren't too happy about the Fitzsimmons characters, and eh, you could some of you could do without them. Others kind of do like them. This was kind of a well. Let's see how they really feel about him. Kind of episode. It did have to do with. Going back to, you know, referencing Lost here, it was a very Fitzsimmons-centric episode. Depending on your reaction, you know where you stand now. If, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't watched it yet, if you were um, a little emotional when uh, when Fitz was in his Fitz way saying goodbye to Simmons when, she, when you know, you thought it was the end, if you got a little bit emotional, then you like the characters. If, on the other hand, you're on the other side of that, where, yes, finally, they're getting rid of these annoying characters, well, then you kind of know where you stand with that also. Um, But other than that, pretty cool episode. You can see the team really coming together. What I really liked, and a lot of people, I I haven't, I did for the first time since it premiered, this was the first episode that I actually watched free, meaning I didn't have the Twitter on on next to me on the on the phone or anything. I actually just watched it as as an episode. And I don't know, weird week. I just wasn't in the mood for it is all. But one thing I really liked is how they're starting to really, especially at the end, they're starting to really get into and almost answering what happened after Loki impaled Colson. Is this the real Colson? And you know, we had the reveal where he still has the scar there where where the Chitari staff went in. But 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 you know, Colson said to himself, he doesn't feel the same. His his reports say, yeah, you're medically you're you're perfect clean, you know, clean bill of health and everything. But he says, I don't feel the same. Maybe that's a hint of what's to come. Now I now I I've seen him, I've heard him, I've had these, I've heard these discussions in uh, in comic book stores. You all think he's gonna return 
in uh, Age of Ultron as the Vision? I don't think so, but we'll see. We'll see. So that's uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sleepy Hollow returned also on Monday. Very good episode, of course, because Walter Bishop, John Noble from Fringe, was in this one. Um. Not a spoiler, but uh, I do know from a couple interviews that I read that John Noble's character, the Sin Eater that he plays in, in, in that he was a guest star, but he's going to be a recurring, soon to be a, uh, a normal, uh, a, a, a new addition to the cast. I'll put it that way. I won't give too much away on that one. Uh, also, did you notice the the Grimm crossover? What? Eric Renard, who's now gone from Grimm, by the way. Uh, spoiler alert if you haven't uh, seen that episode yet. But he's gone from Grimm. Now he's over here as a Mason. Has something to do with Ichabod Crane's character. And somehow has a little tie, I guess, to the Sin Eater um, storyline. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty good. Uh, Sleepy Hollow, like I said, just I, I mentioned it uh, last week. It just got even better because of the addition of John Noble. Uh, what else is uh, oh oh speaking of Graham came back they ended the uh, the, the zombie thing now it's gonna go back to gonna go back to the monster of the week formula it was pretty good it is getting even better the story arcs you know you care uh, I think the I won't give this one away but I think the decision that that Nick made at the end may have some ramifications by the end of the season I don't know anything I'm just saying that that's it I'm just saying uh, Dracula I gotta say. I know I've said, Rachel and I have always said that I, I, we always give shows maybe three, four episodes before we, we, we give up on it. I'm kind of giving up on it now. It's, it's just, it doesn't interest me as much as I thought it would because I, I love the classic movie monsters, the universal classic movie monsters like Werewolf, Frankenstein's Monster, Dracula, Creature from the Black Lagoon, et cetera, et cetera. I like, I love those movies. And this one is just not doing anything for me. I mean, I mean the Dracula character is just not, uh, just, I just don't care. So. You know, but again, I'm going to give it one more week. And if it loses me, it'll lose me. Now, one that's never going to lose me, I don't think. AMC is The Walking Dead. Getting even more intense. We fi- They found a way to get rid of a major character without actually killing him or her in this case. Or having them turn into a walker. This, I've, I read it on the internet. I got involved in some of the conversations on, on Twitter even. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with Rick because I, I, don't, I don't know how I would, I don't know how I would handle it. At, if I was in, I'll put it this way. If I was in Rick's position at the time that he, that he did, that he banished Carol, I don't know. I don't know that I wouldn't do the same thing only because it's not because she, she killed the two bodies. It's because, I mean, killed and burned the two bodies It's because She's she can kind of replace me as the leader. She's a lot more stronger, a lot more. He's got every she's got everything together more than Rick does at this time. Don't forget, not too long ago, Rick was answering telephones from who knows who. Rick was seeing his dead wife standing up on the catwalks in the prison. So I don't know. And he and he kind of said to himself, you know, I, I'm not I'm not the leader anymore. I don't want to make these decisions anymore. So we need somebody to step up. The obvious choice would be Daryl, but you know, Carol would be the other one too. So, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we'll see where this goes. Maybe, maybe. Again, I don't know anything. I, I maybe this will lead into the spinoff show that's going to come pretty soon. The Walking Dead spinoff show. Maybe Carol's story will spin off into that, and we'll see more of what happens with with Carol. So, and, and the other thing is, how many of you thought? Because I did. How many of you thought when she was when she made at the end when she was leaving in the car when she's turned around she was just going to shoot Rick right then and there? 
But obviously she didn't, but I it just went through my head as well. Uh, what else? So not not too many shows actually. Uh, you know, tomorrow people came out. I, I honestly I haven't watched it yet. It's it's winning my DVR, so I'll watch that probably after we record the show today. Almost Humans coming up in a in a couple weekends as we record this, I believe. It's a two night thing, a Sunday and Monday. So we will. Um, I may I may have JH Wyman come on and not give us spoilers, but talk a little bit about Almost Human, what that's all about. So that's what's going on. Uh, after Halloween, I mean, immediately after Halloween, Ender's Game was released. I talked about that. We heard from Harrison Ford and from Oz Butterfield la- last week on the show. Went to see it. Loved it. I've read the book. Uh, there's a, there's a, the one thing I will complain, spoiler if you haven't seen Ender's Game yet, the movie, I mean, one there's one story that they left out of the movie that I wish they had left in, and that is the, the sub-story with his brother and sister. When they become, when they basically, again, remember, this book was written back in 1985. The internet wasn't what it is now. So what Orson Scott Card did with, with those two characters where they basically took over the internet and took over the world, really, where people, if, if people have found out that the, that whoever was posting all these things were kids, they wouldn't have listened to them. But because they thought they were these great, know-it-all, wise people, um, it, 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 it's a whole thing, and, and it, it talks to it talks about how you know what I've said about Twitter that it, that it makes you think you're you know super important when you're actually kind of not. People don't really care that you're at you know the corner grocery store. Hey, here's a map to it. But Orson Scott Card kind of touched on that or predicted that you could even say in the original Ender's Game novel that's dropped in this in this uh, in the movie, and there is a scene. Uh, for those of you who have read the book, the scene with with the with the Valentine at the lake is in there. It kind of doesn't make the reason why Ender is is why she can make Ender come back to battle school or command school at that time. Um, kind of doesn't make sense without that missing element. That I mean, again, I don't want to give too much away, but that's all I'm going to say. Uh, now, why am I talking about Ender's game? It should be pacing Pete, who's our movie guy, because if you, again, if you've noticed, you haven't heard. Any of the features anymore? Nobody's talking about comics. Nobody's talking about Mark Doris hasn't talked about um, video games or tech in a while. That's because if you go to our webpage, it's on there. It says "Join us, join me, join the dark side." Uh, it's not the dark side, but still, it, you, I'm starting in January 2014. I'm going to kick off the uh, the Geek Speak Show podcast network, and that's going to be either brand new podcast or some of these features that you're used to hearing on the show. They're going to expand into their its own separate show, spin-off shows, if you will, from the Geek Speak show. So Comics Commentary is going to be its own thing. Bits and Pixels, Mark Doris's tech and video game thing, is going to be its own podcast, so on and so forth. Rachel, Joel, by the way, you're not going to hear them anymore either. Not because they're not here, not because I don't want them here, because they're going to spin off into their own shows. Rachel, well, those of you who know the, the regulars, take a wild guess what Rachel's going to talk about on her podcast. Yeah. Joel... Well, I'll I'll let that be a surprise. We know what it is, but I'm gonna let that be a little surprise when Joel uh, debuts his spinoff show in January 2014. All of you can join us. Also, all you gotta do is send me an email. Wait, what at thegeekspeakshow.com? Let me know one of two things. One, I've always wanted to do a podcast. I just didn't know how to start it. Well, let's talk. Let's talk. Can we talk? Let's talk. Uh, I'll I will talk about it. We'll, we'll I help. We'll help you. We'll we'll see if you if you fit in. First of all. Because it does have to do with geek culture, and you do have to be entertained. You can't just talk about you know whatever. Um, and we'll get you on board the uh, the podcast network when that launches. Or the other thing you can say is I already have a podcast, 
but I'd like to get just a few more listeners. So go ahead, use us. Use use me. I'm not going to feel dirty afterwards. Hope you don't either. Um, you can join the podcast network, put your podcast on there and get that many more people and have the Geek Speak brand behind your podcast. So again, same thing. Wait what at thegeekspeakshow.com. Whatever situation you're in, let me know. Explain it to me and we will work with that. Another big movie is coming out this week and I mentioned it at the, st- at the top of the show. Thor, The Dark World. So, of course, we're going to hear from the two stars. From Thor, from Loki. Here they are. You ready? Well, even if you're not, sit back, because here we go. Are you ready? Here's a Geek Speak Show quickie. So, as you all know, Marvel Week concludes this Friday, or Thursday, if you're going to go, or Thursday, I should say, if you're all going to go and watch all three movies culminating in the midnight premiere of Thor, The Dark World, but it culminates with Thor The Dark World this Friday, and on to talk about it is Thor himself, Chris Hansworth on the Geek Speak show. So Chris, let's start off by talking, this is the third time for you playing the Thor character. What's it like stepping back into that role? I love playing the character. Um, it, it's certainly, you know, the trick is each time, you know, to find new ways to make the character um, or have some sort of advance or growth from the last one and not repeat things you've already done. Um, and you know that's the trick of you know director, writer, and, and and you know the actor obviously coming together and seeing where we you know what's the, the next step, where we're going to take him. Without spoilers, where do we find Thor in Thor: The Dark World? For Thor, it really is picking up from from Thor one in a lot of ways, um, with the same sort of um, you know questions he still has about his brother, about why and and how how did they end up here and what happened to their relationship and. Um, but the bigger picture being now Thor is stepping into, um, you know, the role of, of king or about to potentially and uh, and proving that, you know, he deserves to be there and also understanding or coming to terms with uh, the responsibilities that um, becoming king uh, carries. Is there a meaning behind the dark world? Besides the obvious, of course. The dark world is a reference to... Um, uh, you know the planet that the dark elves are from, um, but also I think Alan's take on it was that, you know, this is a it's a darker transition into adulthood, if you will, uh, you know, or uh, um, for Thor and, and him becoming king and and the the darker side of um, growing up, I guess, you know, and, and and the maturity and the responsibilities and and then the secrets, you know, becomes very political about. Um, you know, what the, the, the people of Asgard and the universe uh, need to know versus what they want to know. After all that's happened, how do you approach the Thor character this time around? I think I, I'm always looking for some sort of conflict, you know, and, and, and what is it that he's trying to work through as opposed to just kind of being there and being central to, um, you know, the situation. And I think you you got to make sure the hero is, is, is certainly, you know, is a big catalyst to the resolution is not just kind of there to step in at the very end and save the day you know you want you want a journey new director on board at this time alan taylor talk about him he's fantastic he's got a um great sense of story and and uh you know a, a need to sort of find the truth in this and, and not have it be you know hokey and ridiculous you know we kept trying to sort of ground it in some way thanks chris chris hemsworth of course plays the god of thunder thor the dark world now Let's go over to his naughty brother. Not like that. Get your mind out of there. Loki. Tom Hiddleston plays Loki. 
Let's start with the same thing I asked Chris. What's it like stepping back into the role of Loki? As an actor, you, you kind of develop a relationship with a character that, that exists for as long as you play it. And then you take off the costume and you walk away and, and that's it. And the amazing thing about Loki is that this is my third meeting with him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've had a year between each film. And so essentially my understanding of the character every time deepens every time and I feel like the Thor sequel and my third engagement with playing him is a chance as an actor to find new depth, new dimension, new iterations of his um, psychology, of his physicality, his capacity for um, feeling and um, God bless him, he's a complicated cat, you know, um, he's He's uh, on one level this kind of um, off-the-rails psychopathic um, agent of chaos who, who exists in the mythology as, um, as a kind of wrecking ball. Um, but on a human level, um, he, his psychology and his emotional landscape is very, very interesting because he's so intelligent and yet so broken. How do you approach this character now? He still loves provoking people. He still loves finding and exploiting weakness. He's still selfish and vain and um, um, arrogant and proud, but he's also elegant and, um, and amusing. And um, it just, he's so full of charisma. And, and that's why I love playing him is that there's, you know, he's not just a, uh, he's not all out bad guy he's not um scary in that way he's he's um someone who knows his true nature and is having a really good time <laughs> um so that's kind of why i love playing him is is there is an element of delight and um and joy at being bad and um i think that part of that comes from the fact that he's never had the responsibility of of kingship so he's a free agent, and now that he's adopted and he knows who he, who he is, he feels um, possessed of a confidence that there is no other Loki in the entire universe. He's the only kind of, he's the only Loki there is, and he loves that. Talk about working with Chris again. The, the most exciting thing about working with Chris, I should say, is I've always, um, I've always thought of acting as kind of like a tennis match, and um, uh, you're only as good as the person you're playing with, you know, and, and, and there is some, I speak as a huge tennis fan as well, I love the sport, um, and the thing that's exciting about both tennis and acting is that the rally between people is where the magic happens, it's not necessarily who's playing, but there's a particular chemistry that you can have with another actor, and it's all to do with trust, and um, Chris and I, from, from the very first, you know, frames of Thor we just really trusted each other and when you trust the person you're acting with you can go so much deeper and you can reveal so much more and you can it's just so much more fun <laughs> and um, that has been one of the great pleasures of, of doing these films is, is, is working with him because we just sort of get it and, and there's a, it's, a, it's a really nice um, rare 
uh, and unique relationship to have with an actor where anything goes. Um, and I'd say that's the primary strength is that you can go deeper. Um, and also because it's our third film playing these characters, um, he has such extraordinary input into how Thor now looks at Loki. You have a new director, Alan Taylor. Talk about Alan's direction. Alan is fantastic. Um, and uh, I think, you know, within sort of seconds, he revealed his experience and, um, and also his openness in, um, in creating a really believable world. I think he's, he's built on something that Kenneth Branagh created um, and, and added extra kind of dimension. You have a new director on board this time? Talk about him. I thought that was really interesting is that he wanted to expand expand our sense of the world. He wanted to sort of deepen and um, and shade it. He wanted to give it a kind of a grittier feel that this is the race that the Vikings worshipped. And there was a, you know, a very clear link um, that felt somehow ancient and Viking and Norse and rugged and uh, kind of salty. Um, but also, he, I think he's had a huge hand in, in the... Um, in the complexity of the story, he's really good at, uh, at the subtlety of of things, and and um, I've enjoyed his understanding and input of Loki enormously. He's sort of um, he loves uh, the delight. He loves he loves the kind of um, the tap dancer <laughs> element of it. As in as in I say that because you know tap dancers people like Fred Astaire they made it look so easy but there was such effort behind it you know um, and I think Alan loves the part of Loki that it's all just effortless you know he's enormously powerful but um, and he can create um, absolute um, kind of hurricane style havoc um, but it's all at the sort of flick of a finger or the twist of a hand and, and that's been really fun um, developing that with him Thanks, Tom. Tom Hiddleston, Chris Hensworth. You're going to see them and many more, all your favorites, in Thor, The Dark World, in theaters this Friday. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick from Things, and you're listening to The Geek Speak Show. You are listening to The Geek Speak Show. So going on just here from the two big stars of that big movie that's coming out this weekend, Thor and Loki. You guys may know him as Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. So that's happening this Friday. After that, and you know, after all the excitement we had last week with Halloween and everything, it's time to sit down. In some places, it might even be a little bit cold, might even be raining. Sit down, turn on your computer, and get and enjoy a really good web series. A lot of them are pretty difficult to find. We've had a few on the show uh, over the years. Now, there's one place where you can... It's all easy to find them. They're all right there. It's called The Seventh Matrix, Your Portal to World's Fantastic, and they really are. The founder is on with us, Rod. Rod, welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. Thanks for coming on. So, so, so I was going to explain what exactly what it is, but I'll have you do that since it's, it's your creation. Um, but add to that, when and where did the idea for The Seventh Matrix pop into your head? Okay, certainly. Let me start with the second part of your question. Um, like most of us, whenever we find something that we love, whether it be a movie, music, a television series, we usually share it if we enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I was talking with a friend of mine. This was the first part of this year about a web series that uh, I had stumbled upon. And he said, Rod, you know what? You need to start a website. And I thought, hmm. 
that's a good idea. And so that's where the genesis for the seventh matrix began. And I launched it in April of uh, this year. And essentially, the seventh matrix, I want it to be what I call a discovery source for fans of science fiction where they can go and find very, very good, very well-produced web series and short films for the web. And that's our mission. Yeah, and again, you guys can get it on our link section. It's up on there, or you can go to the directly the seventh matrix, the number seven thmatrix dot com, and 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 you don't you don't produce the web series. You just go out and find them, correct? Exactly. Uh, think of the site as a curation site, essentially for science fiction short films and web series. So I go out and I scar the internet and I find these projects. And if I enjoy them and I think that they in, would benefit from a larger audience, then I feature them on the site. You know, that actually goes right into the question I was about to ask you. And that is, how do you go about finding them? Is it just through searches or how do you go about finding the web series? <laughs> I tell you what, the better question would be, what do I not do? Um, <laughs> any, anything from Google alerts with certain keywords to I've met a lot of fantastic people online, other filmmakers, um, other geeks like myself who recommend projects. And then on occasion, there will be web series creators who will submit their project to me via the website. They'll say, hey, listen, we have a project coming up. We think that you'll dig it. Will you check it out and tell us what you think? Now, I found it from, I, I, I'm assuming now, I, I guess that was from, from your launch point, but to me, they all look very sci-fi, very genre-specific, but, but is there something that you specifically look for to include in The Seventh Matrix? Yes, it has to be primarily genre entertainment. So what I mean by genre is sci-fi, fantasy. I'm not a big horror fan, but I will include horror if I think the project uh, warrants it, if it's well-produced and has an interesting idea, and fantasy. So if any of those projects fall within those categories, then I will consider them to be featured on the Seventh Matrix. Now, is there is there any kind of series that you, you wouldn't include in the Seventh Matrix, whether it be for content or anything like that? Right. Well, you know, web series, I think, still has a stigma attached to it as far as being not well produced with amateurish acting and effects. So when I watch a web series, I do know that a lot of them are produced by filmmakers who are independent. They don't have the resources of a broadcast project. But it needs to look as if the people know what they're doing, that they're competent, that it has capable acting. The special effects don't have to be top-notch, but it does have to look um, halfway decent. And so... Unfortunately, there's still a lot of projects that are out there that don't meet that criteria. And then, above all, the story has to be something that I think is compelling. Now, if, if somebody wants to submit their, their web series, how, how would they get a hold of you? Oh, easily. They can go to theseventhmatrix.com, and there's a contact form. They can submit their project and get in touch with me that way. Or I'm very active on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is theseventhmatrix. They can get in touch with me there. Yeah, and I'm actually one of your followers also. Now, now when, when they do contact you to submit a web series, do, do, do you just rather have them give you a link? Or how, how, how would you, how would you, what, do you want, what do you want to see from them? Uh, I prefer for them to, to give me a link to where I can find their content. And when I get in touch with them, I try to respond as quickly as possible, usually within 48 hours. But I do tell them that, uh, of course, I always appreciate 
anytime someone will submit their hard work to me for me to review, but that it's not a guarantee that it will be featured. And I always will get back to the individual to tell them if I am going to feature them on the site. Yeah, see, that I like. I mean, in, in my industry and in, in broadcasting, that I, I do get a lot of the opposite of that, where, you know, we send out resumes and we never hear back from them. At least it's nice to know that either yes or no, but it's at least nice to know. Right. I try to do that because I know that they have taken their time to get in touch with me, and I respect that. Yeah, I know we have a lot of web series, and you don't want a single one out over the other, but have over the months have there been have some of them really stood out to you or what have been some of your favorites featured on the seventh matrix oh there have been um i'm gonna go ahead and mention two that stand out but there have been a host of them one is a web series called steel and by the way you can find out of these projects on the seventh matrix and i have an index for them but uh one project that came to my attention a couple of weeks ago was still new it's called steel s-t-i-l-l and it is a fantastic horror sci-fi web series, and I don't want to give anything away, but essentially it is about a city that is dealing with an extraterrestrial virus that is infecting the populace. And I, I can tell you it is fantastic. Yeah, that, that one actually stood out to me, too. I've been, I've been following that one, too, and I'm glad you mentioned that one. Now, another web series is called West, no, excuse me, Waste Lander Panda. That's the title, and it's from Australia, and actually it is a, a product of two women, a, a writer and a director, and it is about, it's set in a post-apocalyptic world, but the protagonist of the web series is a walking, talking panda, and I know it sounds crazy, but it is terrific. So again, it's called Wastelander, Wastelander Panda. This one, this is live action, because it sounds like it would be an animated Sure. It's live action, and it looks great. See, now this I got to see. So Yeah, yeah, it looks something like Mad Max. And the way that they've done the panda makeup and the, the costume design, it's amazing. So I highly recommend everyone to check them out. So you can find all of those on the7thmatrix.com, the number 7thmatrix.com. Talking to Rod, he's the founder of The 7th Matrix, your portal to world's fantastic. You can go to our guest link section. It's all on there for you. Rod doesn't produce these things, but he probably could if he wanted to. He is, to quote... Um, from the Sandman, he is one of us. He is an actual geek. So, so Rob, let's talk about you a little bit. What, what were some of your favorite sci-fi offerings growing up? Whether it's TV, movies, books, whatever it was. Great. Well, I can tell you what. One of my earliest geek memories is as a child, and, and I'm a little bit older. I'm in my mid forties, but I remember watching the original Star Trek and reruns, and I saw Nichelle Nichols who played Lieutenant Uhura. And you have to realize back at that time, it was very unusual for people of color to have television roles that weren't, either they were a menial or a domestic. And to see a black woman on a starship as the communications officer, man, that blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I had never seen anything like that before. So really, that kind of ignited my love of science fiction. And I enjoyed, um, what didn't I enjoy? Star Trek, Star Wars. Um, I also watched a lot of sci-fi on television, like The Bionic Man, Wonder Woman, Bionic Woman, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the original. So, yeah, I've been a lifelong fan of the genre. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I, we're, we're, we're the same age, so I, I grew up watching all of that also. Now, a lot of people today, a lot of kids especially today, you know, with the new Battlestar Galactica and all, and all the things that we have today, they like Grimm and Lost and all. You look back at those shows, and yeah, they're considered classics now, but they're, they're, I'm glad you mentioned that. They're really not considered sci-fi, but but they were. 
I mean, Buck right. Rogers obviously is um, sci-fi. But here's something that I really wanted to, to talk to you about is not those shows that you and I grew up with, but today, today's sci-fi. Like, I'm thinking specifically like uh, the movie Oblivion and Elysium that came out this year. And most of today's sci-fi is 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 sci-fi still sci-fi? Because to me, it's, it's it's starting to seem like you just put it in space and you and, and and that makes it sci-fi. But that's not what sci-fi is about, is it? I think the best science fiction, and this is just my personal opinion, is science fiction that only entertains, but that it tells a story that kind of holds a mirror up to current issues that we're dealing with in society right now. Like Star Trek was famous for that, the original series. Um, it gives you something to think about. Now, sure, you can have science fiction that's purely popcorn, there's action, explosions, and all that, but the best sci-fi um, also has, for me, a message to it. And also, too, I think that it doesn't have to be post-apocalyptic. I think that's the current trend yeah. is to have dark and grim and gritty visions of the future, and we do need that and there's room for it, but I'm ready to see a more utopian vision of the future because I think you can still tell creative stories that way using that lens, and I miss that. Yeah, I think you and I, you know, because we grew up with it, and, you know, he's a good friend of the show, Rod Roddenberry, but the Roddenberry philosophy, Gene Roddenberry's philosophy yes. is, you know, the whole, that we get to wherever we're going to get together. Right, right, that there's some hope. And, um, you know, this may be controversial, but I love the remake of Battlestar Galactica, but towards the end, it really became oppressively dark to me. Yeah. And I would just like to see a series, maybe even a new Star Trek series, where you have more optimism that's at the forefront, that even though we're imperfect and we're still stumbling trying to find our way, that there is faith in humanity that we'll make it. Yeah, that actually leads to this. Is let me ask you, what did you think of the of the the reboot, the JJ's new Star Trek? I liked it. I like the first movie. I have not seen Into Darkness yet, but I've heard mixed reviews. So I, I need to see it so I can make up my own mind. But uh, it seems to be people either they liked it or they didn't. Either extreme. So I haven't seen it yet, but I, I enjoyed what they did in the first one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give anything away. Uh, I've talk to death about it on the show i'll just say that i wasn't happy with into darkness at all it's a great movie but the plot and everything it, I, I'm, I'm not happy with it i'll just say it was lazy writing to me because of who was involved that's all i'm gonna say when you do get a chance to see it you know uh, you know send me an email we'll, we'll, we'll talk again and I w- i'd really be interested in what you think of into darkness oh most definitely i, I do think that from what i understand it's a retelling of star trek 2 and i don't know why they wanted to go remind that where there's so many other directions they could have gone. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say, actually, you have, have you avoided not knowing the big spoiler <laughs> this far? <laughs> yeah, it, that doesn't bother me at all. I, I think it's been discussed a lot online and amongst my friends, but uh, I do think that that was a wasted opportunity because with the first reboot, they kind of wiped the slate clean. So mm-hmm. they could have gone in any direction. And they still can, but I just, I hate that they decided to make the sequel a rehash. Yeah. See, I, I was going to tread it lightly, but since you already <laughs> know, then I'll go ahead and tell you the whole thing. And the, sure. I, like I said, again, I didn't hate the movie. I, I, it's a great movie, fun, exciting. The effects are great and everything. The acting's great. But 
and then actually start and when you watch it you'll see what i mean it starts off fine you can't even tell i mean you know it's a star trek movie but you can't tell where they're gonna go that it's gonna rehash star trek to the wrath of khan until that reveal from that point on it's it's like the wrath of khan you took the lines and you just assigned it to different characters now the thing with that is it doesn't make sense because in Star Trek Two there was a reason for everything that happened in the movie. There's a reason why that movie is considered the Empire Strikes Back of the Star Trek franchise, and it really is. the biggest theme is at at that point the original cast they were already they were getting old and the movie was about that. It was uh, um, not Gene Roddenberry. Uh, uh, Nicholas Myers been on and he said that it was originally going to be called. The undiscovered country referring to death because this is the first time that Kirk especially had to deal with it. Now in right. this one, the new one, they they do all of that, but we've only had they've only been together for one movie. They don't have those connections yet. Where you know if one character dies, well, okay. You, you, it, plus it, it's Kirk and Spock where that this happens to Kirk and Spock, especially in, in Into Darkness in the beginning and in in the first one, they're not the best of friends like they were with 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 the Shad and Leonard Nimoy. So that right. that that's why it didn't work. But that's a whole. I mean, again, I've I've talked this to death on the show. Not I'm not gonna get into it again. Well, Henry, I will say this: a friend of mine that did see the movie and we talked about it. He said exactly. He made the exact same point you just did. That he felt that that moment in Into Darkness wasn't earned, like it was in the original movie. Exactly because Kirk and Spock don't have the same. They haven't known each other for the same length of time. They haven't made that connection yet, and I think he he probably has a good point. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, when you get when you do finally get to see it, and I can't believe you actually haven't seen it, and you and and, and I was I was wondering how you stayed away from the spoiler, but obviously you 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 do know it. Um, right, but I do. I, some some spoilers I don't care about, but in running the site, you'll be amazed. And doing research for it, it really takes up a lot of time. So a lot of big movies I've missed that I have to catch up on. Yeah, it's not like when you and I were growing up, we had Starlog magazine, but it wasn't instantaneous like Twitter and Facebook are today. Exactly, exactly. It's a whole different world. Now. Yeah, so he's Rod. He's the founder of the Seventh Matrix. Your portal to the world's fantastic. SeventhMatrix.com. The number seven. Don't forget that. THMatrix.com. Or easy for you, just go to our link section. It's all on there for you. Rod, thanks for coming on. And like I said, you're welcome back anytime. We'll definitely talk about all this stuff. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. This is the Geek Speak Show Book Club. Sci-fi, fantasy, horror, graphic novels, biographies. You'll hear them here on the Geek Speak Show Book Club. You will hear them here on the Geek Speak Show Book Club. We had a little bit of everything on this show. We've had the gods and, uh, well, there's only one god and I'm pretty sure they don't that way according to steve rogers so now let's talk about books one in particular is called geek wisdom yeah duh i know you're thinking that but geek wisdom by nk jenison genevieve valentine eric san juan it's geek wisdom the sacred teachings of nerd culture just because i picked this up and it's pretty interesting it has a not very preachy but it's really about what makes us great what makes us so cool what makes us why does everybody have to have a geek not as a pet but as a friend now, producers, what do you mean as a pet? It, it, it features some stories on uh, why we why we like the stuff we like, why we don't like the stuff we like. Uh, I'm not going to give too much away. You guys can pick it up on your library at the usual suspect. It's up on the book club section. Geek Wisdom, The Sacred Teachings of Nerd Culture by N.K. Jenison, Genevieve Valentine, and Eric San Juan. That's my pick for the book club. Don't have anybody else because, like I said at the beginning, 
No Joel, no Rachel, not ever again. They're going to spin off on their own shows starting in January 2014. You can too. Don't forget to email wait, what at thegeekspeakshow.com. Let me know one of two things. One, I've always wanted to start a, a podcast, but how do I do it? Well, call me. Well, email me. Don't call me. Um, and explain to me. I want to do it. What do I do? How, what do I have to do? And I'll tell you, and maybe you will be a part of the Geek Speak podcast network or 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 the other the other side of that is if you already have a podcast and you want to join us you don't know the power of the dark join us then same thing wait what at the geekspeakshow.com amy will add you to the geek speak podcast network so you can be that much bigger in 2014 and beyond so i'm glad we have the producer here what do we have for next week well if you don't know i don't know either so i you know like we always say Come on back next week and we'll find out what Angel has in store for you. Henry and the gang will return next week with an all new episode. The Geek Speak show is powered by GeekTyrant.com, MightyVille.com, Ramasscreen.com, ZergNet.com, and Collider.com. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes. Follow them on Twitter at GeekSpeakShow1. Become a fan on Facebook and watch event coverage on YouTube slash GeekSpeak videos. See you next week. Cheerio. The GeekSpeak Show. Now, you know what's happening this Friday. You don't leave before the credits are over. Same thing here. Not going to give it away, but I will say sit through the whole credits in Thor The Dark World. There are two secret scenes. One sets up Guardians of the Galaxy. The other, I'll just say if you're a fan of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you'll like it.